Morning, everybody. Um, um, today we are starting a new series. Uh, there it is. Um, me and my big mouth. Uh, so this is actually just before we start. This is actually a resource that we've we've acquired from our North Point Ministries. So this is going to go over our next four weeks, and we'll have a couple of different people presenting. Uh, but when we say me and my big fat mouth, probably what... Actually, there's no word fat there. I keep saying fat. Don't, don't use the F word, Sarah would say. Um, there's no... <laughs> just me and my mouth. Me and my big mouth. All right, I'll try and keep... If I do say that, just... If I do say that F word, please forgive me. It just rolls off. I don't know. Sorry about that. Um, when we say me and my big mouth, uh, what I want you to make sure that you remember is this is not you and your husband's big mouth, or you and your mum's big mouth, or you and your daughter's big mouth, or you and your sister's big mouth, or your partner, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your sibling, whatever it is, all right? This is me and my big mouth, okay? So I don't want you to be thinking about who's sitting beside you, or who it is is the loudest in your household, because we can all go there, right? We can all, we can all think, you know, a friend at school, or a friend at uni, or, or wherever, whoever, some, a colleague at work, and that we are surrounded by people that we might think it would do well for them to hear this, all right? But I would like to actually maybe just move the, you know, move the mirror in front of us and think, all right, how does this apply to me and my big mouth? Make sense? So far, so good? All right. So me and my big mouth. Um, have, you ever, uh, have you ever, like, just found yourself in a situation where where you sort of, you're in a, potentially a bit of a conflictual sort of a situation and you feel your sense, uh, feel yourself sort of tensing up, right? It's someone's saying something, someone's doing something, someone might be accusing you of something and you're starting to tense up. So what I want to do at the start of this, I want to actually, I guess, begin with the end in mind. And this is probably the punchline that I want to give you right from the start uh, for the next four weeks. This is probably certainly today, but this will also come out in the next few weeks. So I just want to start with what do we do in those situations? And if you, can, if you had to leave early or something like that, if you just remember this one line, right, this is, this is the punchline that we want you to take home. Be quick to listen, slow to speak. In fact, what I want to do, and this is something I saw, heard someone else do, it wasn't mine, but I modified it a little bit and hopefully... hopefully we can do this, and I'm going to ask you to do this right at the start, because if I ask you to do this halfway through, every, I don't know, there's usually just a little bit more participation at the start, everyone goes cold or goes to sleep or something, I don't know what happens halfway through a talk, right, but it just does. But if I do it at the start, there's a little bit more likely that you'll, help, you'll, you'll participate. So what I want you to do is this, I want you to hold your fist together, right, because cause when we get, everyone can do this, like, you, you've all got this, right, I know it might seem dumb, you might be in primary school, but let's just do it anyway, okay? When, I say, when we say quick to listen, I want you to open your fist. Right, symbolising like, because you know when you're a bit tensed up and you're like, you know, have you ever found yourself like just, like, you know, even if I just stood here doing this and you saw me doing it, you'd think, mate, he's getting slow, you know, slow it down, slow to speak, quick to listen, slow to speak, all right, is anyone challenged with that, like, is anyone like a bit uncoordinated got that going, anyway, just, just, you can practice that, and if halfway through the talk here and I see you doing this and you're practicing it, I think that's a win, okay, so don't, don't feel bad if you're just sitting there going, hang on, and, and like you're totally tuned out of whatever anything else that we're saying and you're still doing this, then that's okay, that, that's all we get, that's cool, all right, quick to listen, slow to speak, I want to tell you one story where I actually had that happen to me, I know, I know probably some of you, a couple of you, or a few of you here might have heard this story before or part thereof, 
But um, this, uh, this story about where I found myself, like un, nearly unknowingly, clenching my fist. Now, okay, first person, who is this? He's one of my kids. Any guesses? You've got four, we've got one in four chance. <laughs> no, it's not Ethan, but it is Cooper, right. So this is Cooper, he's about two years old. So there's, there's a bit of a hectic story that goes along with this, and I won't go into all the detail of the story, but I'll sort of jump to the end of it. But basically, um, Cooper had a, what we would, uh, you know, if you've read it in the news, it was a medical episode, <laughs> um, or a medical emergency. Anyway, things weren't going real well for Cooper. But what had, actu- what had actually happened is... Um, uh, he had a febrile convulsion and, and all sorts of things went real bad real quick. But we actually had a, one of my very best friends, uh, we were living out at Dolby, and one of my very best friends was living in Toowoomba and him and his wife came out to visit and uh, literally hadn't been to visit that place where we were and they came out to visit and at that, right as they turned up, Cooper had this febrile convulsion, all, all bad stuff, it was like ambulances and, and all sorts of things. Anyway, he was doing, not doing really well at all um, and things weren't looking good at all. About half an hour later, um, after a bit of Panadol and a few different things, he was running around as if nothing had ever happened, right? And that's what kids do. And so we got into the hospital, and of course, thinking all of, you know, and you're not, you're not in a good space, right? You're really not in a good space. We, and we get into the hospital, and um, the ambulance took him into the hospital, all sorts of things. But we get into the hospital, and Sarah and I are on one side of the bed, Cooper's lying in the middle. And on the other side is the doctor, and he's saying, and he comes in, he says, all right, what's happening now? What, you know, what appears to be the problem? Now, of course, Cooper, by this stage, he's sort of bounced back, right? He's, he's, he's sort of happy, and he's like, oh, this is cool, never been in here before. You know, you're a two-year-old, or whatever he was. Yeah, just on two, I think he was. And so he's like looking around, he's like, oh, this is exciting, you know, he's looking about, what's going on? Um, fact is, 15 minutes before that, his heart had stopped, all sorts of bad stuff had happened. And uh, so anyway, we're trying to explain to this doctor what had happened through all this stuff and ambulances and, you know, all sorts of things. And my friend, uh, who was the doctor, he's actually still sitting in the waiting room. Like, he came, they, they still came in with us and he's sitting in the waiting room. And we said to them, and we said to this doctor, this is what happened. And he just goes, no, nah. well, hang on. And so we backtracked, right? We said, just really calmly, really calmly, well, this is what happened. No, nah, that, that couldn't have happened. And I said, well, all right. Maybe it couldn't have, like, because I'm not a doctor, right? But actually, we had a doctor with us when this happened. He's sitting, like, about 10 metres through. And I was like, you know, like, you just have that sense of just pressure. Everywhere, there was just pressure. You know, you feel your blood pressure going up. And I remember distinctly, and this is, a, this is my point. Nearly fell down. Did I catch that? Living life on the edge. Right, I'll take a step back. So I remember, this, I remember this exact point. Like, I remember looking down, just, just happened to glance down. It was not because I felt like I needed to, but I happened to glance down, um, just Cooper's there, and I glanced down, and I just, I didn't even realise, but my fists were, like, fully clenched. Like, and I just went, ooh. And, I, like, and I, I, I'm just ready to smack this doctor, right? Like, I mean, like, legit. Like, I didn't even, like, like I thought, this is not a good look, right? Like, you'd be on the news and all sorts of things, I reckon, if you started, like, laying into a, like, so... And I remember just like going, Neil, calm down, calm down. Like, you know, but like this guy is just fully not believing anything we're telling him. And we just saw our, we just saw our boy in all sorts of trouble. And, um, and, and yeah, and, and my, my fist is just fully clenched up and I'm, I'm ready to swing. And, and so I guess what I'm saying is like there are experiences, there are times when, when we come across stuff that get our blood pressure up. When we, when we experience situations where 
there's conflict. And, and different people uh, deal with conflict in different ways. And I guess what, we're, um, what we want to be able to do is, is, what do we do in those times when we get all bent out of shape? How do we handle ourselves? How would God like to ha- us to sort of do life when we're all hot under the collar, when we've got a head full of steam, when, when things aren't going our way and, and we, we're confronted with something that's, that's a, a bit of a pressure point? Because we all know that, that when we're in those moments, people can say some stuff that they wish they never did. People can do things that they just can't get back. Yes, they can say sorry, and, and that's, that's good, like, don't get me wrong, but have you ever done something you think, I would have rather had never done that than have to apologise for that? I wish I could take that back. I wish I could put it back in. I wish I could never have experienced that situations. Sometimes we can even be 100% right in those situations. Sometimes when we, when we deal with conflict... We might, be, we might be 100% wrong. They are all wrong, we are all right. But it doesn't mean the situation is all right. It doesn't mean what we, what we, or how we conduct ourselves in those moments is all right. Even if we are all right, it doesn't mean the situation uh, necessarily ends up being all right. Um, so we're going to have a bit of a look at how do we conduct ourselves and how, particularly, how do we control our big mouth? And, and of course, often, most often, our mouth is the first thing to go. Um, usually, usually our actions follow what our mouth is doing, but often it's our mouth that is the first thing to, is to go on us. So we're going, to, we're going to go to the Bible, and we're going to look at a passage in the Bible today, about three verses, and it gives us some advice on how... We, turn, we can turn up in those situations because, like, I don't know about you, but I think probably, probably all of us, but I would suggest definitely the majority of us would love if we could handle ourselves better in those situations. And even after, even if you had those sort of conflictual situations and, and, you, and, you know, five, ten, twenty minutes later, you have a little bit of time to reflect and you're like, man, I wish I could do that better. It might be at work, it might be at school, it might be uni, it might be with, a, with you know, a, a, a significant loved one. You think... I just didn't want to do that, right? Or I didn't want to do that again. Why do I keep doing it that way? I wish I didn't. I wish I didn't. I wish I didn't have to. Why? How do I conduct myself? And I guess we're trying to answer that question. How do we turn up? How do we conduct ourselves when things are in a bit of a pressure cooker sort of a situation? Um, we're going to go to James. Now, James is... Uh, just a quick little history on James. So James is, is the brother of Jesus. So James's mother is Mary and Joseph, uh, just like Jesus. Um, but the thing about James is... And we actually, we actually have a few little insights. Well, we don't know the whole complete picture, but we certainly have a few little insights about how James saw and understood Jesus and his ministry. And in fact, there's, there is a passage where James turns up and, and him and his mother and, his, and, and other siblings there, basically, they go to Jesus and they think, Jesus, I don't know what you're playing at, but what you are seemingly out of line. Like, what are you talking about? Like, they actually didn't fully believe and didn't understand the... The ministry that, that Jesus, once he started, didn't understand what he's doing. Because you think about this. Now, I don't know how good your siblings are, but imagine if your brother was Jesus. 
and you grew up with your brother being the son of God. And, and eventually, the, you know, Jesus reveals himself as the son of God, and you think, no, he's just my brother. <laughs> like, you know, and, and so James and, James and his siblings had a bit of an issue with that until they fully understood, as did pretty much everybody else, understood what it, what it meant for Jesus to be the Messiah and be the son of God. So, so James, James, we don't see too much of James during Jesus' ministry. However, after Jesus died, after Jesus came back to life and went back to heaven, James, all of, well, I wouldn't say all of a sudden, but basically James comes to life. James, James realises and, and begins to become a significant person in the, in the church, uh, in, the, in, you know, in, in Christianity. And he becomes the ruler, or not the ruler, but the leader uh, of the church in Jerusalem. Like, he becomes a very significant person. In fact, he had a nickname. Uh, and this, was, this is not in the Bible, but it is, it is given through uh, other historic, uh, uh, historical writers. Uh, of James the Just, is what he called him, James the Just. Uh, because of his virtues, he was like, he was straight up and down. He was like, he was a good, a good bloke, James the Just. And so James the Just, uh, he, was, he was leader and he actually was killed. He's actually stoned to death. Um, but before he was... Uh, we have one letter, uh, and that's the book of James, in which we'll read a few, pas- a few verses out of in a moment. And in this passage, um, James talks about a, a few different things, but certainly his character comes through and shines through in how to live a good life, how to live a good Christian life. And it's not talking about necessarily about how to get to heaven, although that's of course comes through in the gospel. How do you show up? How do you turn up in life? And he's got some really cool insights. Uh, all sorts of things from being nice to you know widows and and people who aren't who are doing it a bit tough in your community to to how to personally you know turn up and, and this is where we're going to kick it off this morning. So we're going to go to James the Just and we're going to read a few pas- a few verses in this passage that talks about how we can how we can show up and how this might help us in conducting ourselves and particularly in those moments where it might catch us by surprise because often that's often we, we get in those moments where someone might confront us in the, in the middle of the, you know in the heat of the moment all of a sudden that's when we we lose our cool maybe or we we get in and end up doing things that we we don't really want to do all right so dear brothers and sisters and in fact when it says dear brothers and sisters um that word if some of your bibles actually will say brothers some will say brothers and sisters but it is actually a neutral um as neutral gender, which actually suggests that he was actually seriously thinking about the women as well. So he wasn't just talking about the blokes, which is often what Bible writers or anyone did in the culture of the time, but he was saying, dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen and slow to speak. Quick to listen, eh? slow to speak. Yeah, you got that right. Quick to listen, slow to speak. Quick to listen, slow to speak. He says, quick to listen. Now, we're going to break this down. Quick. We'll do it quickly. This word, tachyus, it's, it's to do it swiftly, do it quickly, do it first, do, as, do it as soon as possible. Do this as soon as you possibly can. Be quick to listen. As soon as you possibly can, try and listen. Because, as we all know, what we want to do when we, when we, when we come in a, a confrontational situation and someone is attacking us personally or someone's telling us we're doing the wrong thing or our perspective's not understood then we want to correct that. That's what we naturally do. So what do we do? We're going to, we, you know, a bit all fired up and we're going to like maybe lean forward, we're going to raise our voice or some of us might actually 
even just go to ground, but we're going to get angry about it. When, we don't, when our perspective is not, not understood or is not listened to, then we get all cranky. But here, James is saying, but I want you to do this. I want you to be quick to listen. I want you to do it first, to do it as soon as you can. Slow it. Quick to listen. Take the tension out of this. Be the one that's quick to listen. And then he goes on to say, and be slow to speak. Be quick to listen. Be slow to speak. And the word slow, it has this, this real, um, uh, that word, bradius, uh, has this real idea of this, you know, be real, to be sluggish, to be late, to intend to delay, procrastinate. That sounds like when I was studying, procrastinate. All right, put it off. You know, intend, intend it to be late. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen and slow to speak. Be the first to listen and be slow to speak. Because when you think about it, if you've got two people who are in a disagreement or, with, or there's a bit of a confrontation, a bit of a conflict, the fact is, or even just in negotiations, the fact is you are both wanting the same thing. You actually are both wanting to be listened to and you both want the other person to understand you. So if you're both trying to work over each other, then that's when all of a sudden things start, doors get slammed and, um, and, and things happen that, that we don't really, uh, we, that we regret and we don't really wish, we really wish it hadn't happened. Wait and be late. Be slow to listen. Wait and be late. Be the one that listens. Some of us, we might go, oh yeah, I could put that into practice. Others would be like, that's real tough. That's really tough. When we get into those situations, that's real tough. Here's a little tip. This is not from James. This is a little tip. When, when you feel like you're in that situation, when you feel like there's, there's tension, there's something going on, instead of just getting angry, instead of trying to talk over someone else, be curious. Be curious. Why? Why are they? Because if someone can actually share and, and feel that they are heard and understood, then they're, most, they're much less likely to, to, get, uh, to get upset about this. And if you can then even ask questions about, all right, why do you think that? Instead of you having to put your, 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 uh, your perspective forward, why, why would you think that? Start asking, start asking two or three questions. And the more, the, more that you, the more questions that you can ask, the more that you're going to learn about them, the more that you'll learn, then the more or the less likely you are to get all cranky and, un, and upset about it. You think about this. Let's, let's think if you... you Either if you're a parent or if you're a young person or wherever you sit in all of that, you think if you're, you're having it, let's say young people, if you're having a chat to your parents and your parents is giving you one of those lectures, you know, one of those, one of those moments where they're sort of pouring their soul and all their insight into you and they're wanting you to understand their perspective and exactly why probably you're not doing the right thing, right? We've all had those or we've all given those or if we're older, we've received and given probably those type of uh, conversations. But imagine if you're a young person and you started going, hey, Dad, 
that's pretty cool, but I don't quite understand. Tell me more. Like, you know, if you started actually asking those sort of questions while you're in that situation, instead of slamming the door and, and walking off into your room in a half ride, if you actually said, oh, that's, really, that's a really interesting perspective, Dad. I don't quite get it. Could you share a little bit about why you said this or why you said that? Like, what's going to happen next? Your parents are probably just going to go, I give up and walk away, right? I mean, I don't know. Like, what? But if you start being curious in those moments, if you actually genuinely start being curious in those moments then straight away you're going, to take, you're going to take the heat out of that. You're going to take the heat out of that conflict. If there are people that, even in friendships, work, school, uni, whatever it might be, um, or, or colleagues, all those sort of things, if you can start going, hey, tell me more. Why would you say that? Like, can you share with me why that might be frustrating for you? Or whatever those questions might be, then all of a sudden, you're not here to judge, but you're here to learn. Now, it might be easier for some than others, but there's, there's a little perspective. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everything should be quick to listen. Uh, everyone should be quick to listen and slow to speak. And here is the result. Here's what happens. And it, it's something that we can decide to do. But it probably, if we are genuinely slow to speak, as James would say, then, then this is a result that can ensue from that. And that is, we become... Uh, quick to listen, slow to speak, and we become slow to be angry. Now, sometimes there's probably still some things that are worth getting angry over. Like, I'm not, not saying we should never, ever be angry, but, but if we are slow to angry, slow to become angry, then all of a sudden, like, we, we're being a bit more level about it. And we're actually able to, to do some stuff that, uh, and, and conduct ourselves in a way that's more, I guess, um, constructive instead of destructive. Slow to speak and slow to become angry. Quite often, we feel that we can be 100% right in our, in our conversations or how we conduct ourselves. We feel we might be 100% right and we walk around and we tell everyone exactly how right we are. And Or if we're in those conversations, those difficult conversations, we actually share with them, well, you're wrong and I'm right. And you know what? You might be 100% right. But what does it do for that relationship? In fact, you could probably, if you, like as a parent, I can tell my kid that they're 100% wrong and I'm 100% right, and they probably go, well, I 100% don't want to be near you. <laughs> right? Like, that's just what happens, right? It's like, well, I don't, I don't give it... Like, so... So what? Um, so when we when we are when we are conducting ourselves, um, it's all about that listening, slowing things down, and there's a little bit of a formula which I was sort of thinking about and put together. You know, the longer you listen, the more questions you ask, the more you learn, the less angry we will be. Fact. Everything everyone does makes sense to them. Well, maybe not everything. Sometimes we get a bit, but pretty much right. Everyone, everything everyone does makes sense to them. Everything everyone says makes sense to them. Everything everyone believes makes sense to them. May not make sense to you, but it makes sense to them. So if we're not hearing how they turn up, then it's always going to be at odds. And so the question is: Have you ever thought you have? Have you ever caught yourself thinking? 
I don't know why they would do that, say that, or believe that. I don't know what, I don't know what they're doing. Why would they even think that? Why would they even believe that? Why would they do that? And if you find yourself asking that, then the problem quite likely is the I, not the them. Have you taken the time to work out why would they do that? Because remembering everything makes sense to them. Everything they believe makes sense to them. James chapter 1 verse 20, so the next, next verse. We're going to read a couple, couple more verses just quickly. For, the man's, for man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. So he's saying be, be quick to uh, listen, slow to speak, slow to get angry, because the man's anger... Um, does not bring about righteous life that God desires. Saying, when you get angry, when you get all upset, it's not how God wants you to live. It's not what God wants you to do. And that word righteous, sort of a bit of a bit of a Bible word, a bit of a churchy word, but basically it's rightness. All right. It's my rightness. It's my rightness. And even to the point where it says our own rightness is our and we hear the word our own righteousness. You know, someone's self-righteous, it just means they're sort of we'll use the word full of themselves or however you want to describe that. But our own rightness, when we think we're the one that's only the only one that's right, or we're the one that's right always in the situation, then then that's that's not gonna be that's not gonna be helpful for the situation. Self righteous or self rightness, um, being right versus being right with each other. You can either be self righteous or self right or have self rightness, however you want to describe that, or we can be right with each other. Which one would you prefer? Being right all the time or being right with people in that, that you're close to you and the people that you deal with? Jesus came to reconcile, not to prove he's right. If Jesus actually came to prove he was right, how long would that have taken? A couple of seconds, a couple of minutes, maybe one sermon. Here I am, prove my point. You're all bad, I'm good, see you later. All right? That's what it would have been, like, because he was. He was right. He was good. He never sinned. He, was, he, did, he, he had it all. He had the knowledge. He had everything. How come he took so much time in his ministry? How come it took him so long to get his point across? If he was full of self-righteousness, it wouldn't have been a hard gig. Why, why did he have to die in order to complete his mission? Because it wasn't about just being right. It was about reconciliation. It was about how do I bring these people around so that they see that there's a need, that there's, there's, there's that, you know, a need for a relationship and to have love with other people and to reconcile the people with God the Father. You know, that verse there in John, uh, threw up there in John 14, you know, I came not to judge the world but to save the world. Jesus didn't come to go, well, I'm right, you're wrong, you need to sort yourselves out, clean your act up. But that's what we do, right? When we have these conflict, conflictual conversations, it's like, well, I'm right, here's the reasons why I'm right, and you can argue, you need to sort yourself out. There we go, full stop, walk away. It's not how Jesus turned up. It's not how he turned up. He came to reconcile. Proving yourself is right doesn't mean we are right with the other people. Verse 21 says this, Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and evil so that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. Get rid of. That word get rid of is like take off. Get it out of your life. Like, don't have it part of you. 
get, like, find a way to get rid of that stuff. Get rid of that self-rightness, that self-righteousness, that where I'm always right. Get rid of that and, and, and look for opportunities to hear the other perspective. Humbly, humbly accept the word planted in you. Humbly, meaning the we is more important than the me. So there's a bit of a theme going on there. Like it's about hearing the other person. It's about trying to maintain a relationship, trying to make sure that, that we care more about the other person than we do about what is actually right and wrong. Not saying it's like we should be looking for ways you know, to get things right, not saying we just disregard that altogether, but when it comes to a, a situation in a relationship, then the me, uh, then the we is more important than the we. Now, Jesus put us, Jesus put you in front of himself. He was right. He was perfect. Yet, he went out of his way, come to earth, all the story, the gospel story. Came to this earth, died on a cross, took the punishment for us. Was walked on, trodden on, crucified for us so that we could be reconciled, so that we could have a relationship with him. How cool is that? How do we do this? How do we do this with each other? James is saying it over and over. Be quick to listen, slow to speak. Hey, James, how do, how do we... Slow to speak, quick to listen, slow to speak. That's it. Imagine, imagine what would happen if we, if we began to think about ways or, or, or like, you know, pre-thought, pre-meditated, like, you know, when I get in a situation, take a deep breath, quick to listen, slow to speak, quick to listen, slow to speak. When I feel myself getting that, you know, that, 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 that pressure up, the, 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 um, you know, the tension and that, and I do, I feel like, you know, the head sort of just starts to get a bit, sort of bit of pressure in it, and you're like, and I know right then, when I feel that, that the next things, or the next thing that I do or say may or may not make sense, or may, I may or may not regret, you know, I know it's a danger time, so if I do that, I take a bit of a breath, and I think, all right, I need to understand that other person's perspective, I need to understand, you know, that whole seek first to understand before trying to be understood, you know, trying to understand the other person's perspective before, before we open our own, our own mouths. What if we did that? What if we were able to do that? What if you're able to do that if you're married, in a marriage situation, or in a, if you've got a boyfriend, girlfriend, that sort of situation, or it might be parent, mum, dad, you know, all that sort of stuff, um, or, or it might be just your friends at school, or whatever. When there's, some, when there's someone that rubs you up the wrong way, what happens? Because we've got to remember what makes, like, it, like what they do and what they say, it, that all makes perfect sense to them. May not to you, but it makes perfect sense to you. What if we were able to do that? In fact, what if you were both able to do that? What if you're in a situation, a relationship, of whatever description that might be, and you were both able to go, no, you go first, no, you go first. Instead of having a conflict where it's like, I'm talking over each other, we're, we're, we're throwing things at each other or slamming doors, I don't know, whatever, but, you know, or not talking to each other anymore and, and, and we're hurting each other. Like, what if we were able to do that when we were talking to people who, who did not understand what Jesus has done for us? They'd be like, wow, 
something different about that person. There's something different about how they show up, how they conduct themselves. There's something different about what they do. Like, what is that? No one does that. No one puts other people first, particularly in these situations. What if, what if we're able to do that? And I think, I think it's just a great way to, to live our life. I think it's a great way where we can show up. I think we benefit just as much as anybody else. But then, of course, how, how we deal with those relationships is much better for everyone else. They don't have to be the receiving end of our wrath, but they can actually be the receiving end of, of the love that we have or that God has given us that we can pour out through them. So we'll continue on, me and my big mouth, uh, next few weeks. Uh, and I'm going to ask the band to come up. Uh, we're going to finish up with one final song. But I'd love to challenge you. Just to continue to think, how can we be quick to listen, slow to speak?